0: Good evening. You're tuned in to West Texas Talk. I'm Lana Straub in Stanton, Texas. For tonight's program, our guest is John Kennedy. He is a board member of the Martin County Convent Association. I recently toured the old Carmelite Monastery built in the 1880s, and what you'll hear next is that tour. start out by introducing yourself to the listeners.
1: I'm John Kennedy. Um, I live in northern Martin County at Grady. Uh, I've been a member of the Martin County Convent Board for over 26 years. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to, you want to listen to the squeaky door? Sure. Gate. Can you read the gate uh, that was put here by the Sisters of Mercy at the turn of the century? We're going to walk up and take a look at this adobe structure uh, that was built by the Carmelites in 1884. Okay. The Carmelites came here in 1882 looking for another place to set up house. They had come from Kansas and they came out to West Texas to kind of get away from people and population and kind of start their own German Catholic community. And They settled in what was then at the pretty much the end of the Texas and Pacific Railroad line at a place called Grelton. And they immediately changed the name of the town to Marionfeld, and the town's name was changed in 1888 to Stanton for Edwin Stanton, who was uh, Lincoln's Secretary of War. The building that's still here today was the monastery building built by the Carmelites, as their residence. The church sat here. It was a large adobe church. We hope to someday rebuild it as well, rebuild it back. The Carmelites also put over here on the east side of the building, the present building, there was another building built here and it was more dormitory and classrooms for the postulates. The house across the street, which is affectionately known as the Connell House. Was also constructed. The two rooms of it were constructed by the Carmelites as kind of a, a way station when the men got off the train, they could stay there and wouldn't bother the men at the monastery itself.
0: Are you guys going to try to restore any of the other outbuildings or just this yes. one?
1: No, we're going to put the church back together and we are going to put the East, what we call the East Building, back and build the East Building back to 21st century standards so that it can be, you know, have restrooms and kitchens and have a large hall and then put the church back because it's just, it's too beautiful.
0: So are you thinking kind of a restoration like they've done down at Fort Davis?
1: Yes, like at Fort Davis. As a matter of fact, the Carmelites were at Fort Davis as well. The, the church across the street, before the Carmelites showed up in eighty six, eighteen eighty six. 1886, That church was a mission church, and it looked like an old Spanish-style church with bell towers. And they totally redid it to what it is presently today.
0: Okay, so
1: how big is this uh, acreage? Uh, The the Martin County Convent is a nonprofit organization, and they own about 3.3 acres here. Which is, which is really fantastic to think about that you have a, a large historic piece of property nestled within an urban area. And, and it, it's going to be, we hope to turn the grounds into a native plant uh, place and turn it into a, a, a place for people to come and, and just sit and relax and be quiet.
0: Yeah, I think you've done quite a bit of work since I was out here last. Yes, we
1: did a half a million dollars worth of restoration on the exterior of the building. And we just they just recently completed, we're finished, which means that the, the whole building was re-whitewashed, the porch was redone, the porch piers were redone, uh, they replaced glass windows and everything, so it really looks marvelous. It has been described as one of the finest historic adobe structures in the American Southwest. The only place where you have a structure of this scope and size is in Lincoln, New Mexico.
0: So how big is this building
1: here? 30 by 60? 30 by 60. Mm -hmm. It has gothic pointed windows. Which is extremely unusual, from what I understand from anybody that, uh, from any of the guys that were doing the restoration on the work, I asked them. I said, "How many buildings have you seen with gothic uh, uh, adobe structures with uh... gothic pointed windows?" And they say they just don't exist. That everybody always did things with just squared-off windows. So,
0: any idea why they made the windows this way?
1: Actually, there is. Yes, good question. Uh, b- these men had come from Germany and. From their monasteries that, that they came from in Germany, they have built this structure almost as a carbon copy of what they left in Boxmere in Germany. And so this building mirrors what exists in Germany today. Shall we go inside? Sure.
0: Is this, is this similar to the same wood that they used back in the day?
1: No, this is not. We don't know what the porch was when the Carmelites occupied it because there's been some, some other work done to the building because it was occupied by the Carmelites and it was occupied by the, the Sisters of Mercy uh, used this building too because the Carmelites were only here until 1888 and they sold the structure to the Sisters of Mercy who were already here operating the school for the Carmelites a day school, a boarding school. And so when the Carmelites decided to leave and go to Louisiana, they sold the structure, they sold the property and the structures to the Sisters of Mercy. And so they, they had replaced the porch and they had done some work on it at the turn of the century. And then Francel Moore, who lived in this building back in the 70s, uh, she put a concrete porch on it. So we did the best we could.
0: Looks nice.
1: Thank you, we're quite proud.
0: And you have to keep it locked up like this to keep the vandals out?
1: Yes. Unauthorized entrances is not appreciated. If you want a tour, call.
0: And that's what we did. If you're just tuning in, we're touring the Martin County Convent with John Kennedy. This is the
1: historic front door. The door to this building is, is the original to the building. And so because this was a monastery and because this was a, a working monastery, if anyone was to come and visit the priests, they would have come through this door. And they would have been inside this somewhat large room. And they would have waited because they would not have been allowed beyond any of the doors inside the small room because that was all a cloistered area. And so they would have come here and sat so they came knocking on the door. Either the resident priest or whoever he designated would have come down here to open up the door and allow them in here. Now, there's doors on either side of these walls because the community was, was large at the time because the east building was where, they, uh, where the postulates and those people lived. And so they would have had to come in and out of here. And so they put doors here so that they wouldn't have to go through the main hall. So let's go over here. Okay. <laughs> This room that's on the north end, it's kind of a large room, but this was the chapter room. This was a classroom, a chapter room, which was where uh, uh, decisions would have been made within the order for this particular house. And they would have had classes here. And if somebody had finished their their classes, they would have been nominated for becoming part of the priesthood. And that would have taken place in this room.
0: Can you describe the walls and the roof and the flooring?
1: Yes, the walls. The walls on this, on the first floor, are just about four feet thick with these gothic-pointed windows cut into it, and they're kind of angled out a little bit, and this being on the east side of the structure. They're kind of angled out a little bit, and we figured that they did that because it would capture more light because these were simple men, and they would not have had electricity, and they would have had you know just light, just small lamps. Um, on the west side, because this building matches what they... They knew in in Germany there was a loggia that was built, which is a, a long hallway, a colonnaded hallway, that would have been opened to the outside. And so at some point in time, I guess maybe during 1886, they decided that the west side of the building and the weather out here, that they needed to close off those opened areas. But we've brought those back and then covered them in plate glass. So it really looks amazing.
0: And what kind of uh, flooring is this? Is this the original floor?
1: Yes, ma'am. This is original flooring, just pine floor. Much of the wood that's in this building, like what you see on the ceiling, is this beaded material, and this is all what, what, was, what the railroad had brought out here, and this is all typical material, this uh, beaded siding that you see all over the country. It was, it was very typical at the turn of the century as the trains came and brought materials for people to build stuff, so that's what you see on the ceiling.
0: If you're just tuning in, we're touring the Martin County Convent with John Kennedy.
1: As we move uh, into another room, this particular room was their recreation room. And so it was a large place because the the Carmelites, they weren't just all the time praying. They they would spend some time smoking cigars, writing letters, reading books, playing chess, and they would have taken place in this particular room. Now we do know that, that at the time that the Carmelites were here, and when they first showed up on the railroad, uh, they purchased several thousand acres of what is now Stanton, because they laid out Stanton. If you drive through Stanton today, all the streets are laid out after their favorite saints. So that still dates back to when the Carmelites had set up the town. So they sold property to to fund their, their mission work, and this room would have also been a place where um, the priests would have come, and people would have come and signed uh, paperwork for purchasing property. That probably took place in this room. But one of the interesting things on this room, too, is that some of the original pegs are still on the wall that you see here where they would have hung lamps at night to read by or play chess by.
0: And and what year again did they actually come and set up the town?
1: They came in 1882. they probably come out here maybe in 1881, but they didn't come and stay. They were just looking but they came uh, as permanent residents in 1882. This particular structure was built in 1884. The church had been built in 82 as a wooden structure. It had been rebuilt in 86 as a more permanent church along with the east building.
0: And when did they start selling property to the local residents?
1: As soon as they could. I, I don't know the exact date or what the very first thing that they sold or to whom, but they sold a lot of property. He spent a lot of time at the courthouse signing his name in the early years.
0: And who were some of the more prominent families that bought most of the
1: property? Oh, gosh, the Flanagans have been here for a long time. The Cooks have been here for a very long time. Um, I'm trying to think of some other names. I just It doesn't come right now. But... The strops as well. <laughs> I think the Peters, too, is and what the, I heard. Yes, and the Peters, yes. Anastasius Peters. Um, he was the he was the priest who had come from Germany and had set up house in Kansas. He and his brother, and they came here and they brought some of their family members from Kansas with them as well. And they also even recruited some of the family out of Germany to come back here. So the Peters have been in this area for a long time. Yeah, and the strops came sometime during that period of time. During the early settlers, there were a lot of early settlers, and then the the the. Uh, winter and sandstorms of 1886 destroyed everybody's crops, and a lot of people left and went to go live, uh, went to go work in Big Spring, or they left altogether. Um, the Carmelites did, did not discriminate, apparently, when it came to selling their real estate. They sold to Protestants and Catholics both alike. I think it's pretty much about 50 50 if you go back into the archives at the Texas Land Office and look. It was just about perpetuating their work. Yes. They needed, they just, they came out here to, to set up this monastery and to have um, a place for people to come, others to come and set up a settlement. Uh, when Stanton was a booming community, uh, Midland was nothing but a cattle stop. There were even no buildings.
0: If you're just tuning in, we're touring the Martin County Convent with uh, John this Kennedy. Particular
1: room, This is on the, the the far southern part of the room, and, and this is a pretty amazing room right here, I think anyway, in, in that this was their, their dining room, and underneath this room and the recreation room is a basement, and it's, it's, a, very, it's a big basement because these are big rooms. And so underneath the dining room was the kitchen, and so the kitchen had its own entrance on the east side because the men didn't cook for themselves they hired somebody from outside to cook for themselves and so they would have entered they would have had their own entrance on the east side of the building and come through here and so as the men would bring the food upstairs they would be they would get it from the hallway that's in the basement and they could not visit or talk to whoever it was that was down there It was more than likely a woman and so they would have brought the food up here um, and served it to them and the nice thing about this particular room is that even through all of the years that this building has been here you can still see up against the wall where the Carmelites had a bench that went all the way around the wall and that you had this blue, uh, uh, this blue whitewash on it and you can see where the Carmelites' habits had scraped off the paint as they sat on the bench and so all of that is still here and intact. Back in 86 as the community grew the, they probably ate in shifts here, and they built a dumb waiter down into the kitchen so the guys wouldn't have to bring it up any longer. And that's what this hole is. And it's 1886? That was in 1886. They did a lot of construction in 1886, and they came through and they kinda did some things to this building, that they felt they needed to, especially like closing off the windows from the loggia on the west side and putting in a dumb waiter so that guys wouldn't have to bring up all the food all the time, because this is a small room when you have, say, you know, 60 guys that are trying to eat here, so they kind of ate in shifts, but it's still intact.
0: Did this used to be a door?
1: This used to be a door, yes. The Sisters of Mercy, when they occupied this building, they took out this wall, and this was their chapel because the Sisters of Mercy could not use the chapel in the church because the church belonged to the diocese and did not belong to the sisters nor the Carmelites. okay, And so there was a priest that lived where the rectory hall is today across the street. He would have come up here, changed into his vestments, and uh, there was an altar here in this room. And then the, the little kids, the students that the Sisters of Mercy taught would have come in here on some days for chapel. But the girls were, and the girls and the boys were never allowed in this building, except for possibly this room, because this was for the Sisters of Mercy's main residence, and the head nuns and all the nuns lived upstairs. And the priest would have come here for his meals, which would have been in the chapter room, that first room. And what year was that? Um, the sisters took over in I want to say 88, 1888. and so they did a lot of of they did some other things. They built a, another building that that took the two buildings that were separated by a uh, by a ground and kind of put another building up to kind of create a horseshoe shaped uh, complex and so they would have done that about the turn of the century about the 1900s
0: and they were here until what
1: 1936, year 1936 a tornado came through here in 1936 it kind of tore things up a little bit but everybody it it they say it damaged the buildings more than it did which is not necessarily the case, but it was the 30s. The Depression, it was 1936. The Depression was still really, it had gone on for so long, it was so bad. There was, they were trying to operate a school here. Nobody had any money to pay, and so they decided to close the doors because the structures were in need of repair. So they closed their doors and they all moved to Slayton where they were operating a hospital. But there's an interesting story with the, how the the Sisters of Mercy ended up here in Stanton, Texas the Carmelites, um, Anastasius Peters, had been traveling on the train to El Paso, and somewhere in El Paso, I want to say it was at one of the hotel stops there or something, he had run across this nun who had come from California and was headed, I don't know, somewhere east, and was visiting with her, and she decided that, yes, she would come here (laughs) and bring the rest of some other sisters and actually operate the school, because the Carmelites had had the the sisters of they had had the Carmelite sisters were here for a short period of time. The sisters of Divine Providence were here, and they were from Casterville. Well, that was where one of their houses were in Casterville. They were here for a short period of time, and then the Sisters of Mercy showed up, and they managed to stay until '36. Uh, the stairway that goes up to the second floor of this building, like I said in '86, has seen a lot of renovation to it. We believe that when the Carmelites first built it, there was no interior stairs because stairs take up a lot of space was some exterior stairs. Well, they discovered that uh, it might be a good idea to have some interior stairs, I believe. And so they put some stairs in that were real steep right here on the south end of this loggia. And then the sisters came in and said, well, we can't be walking up and down those steep stairs. So they, they angled it a little bit easier for them. And that's what the present configuration that you see today. Shall we go upstairs? Sure. Go ahead. Okay, Watch your step. Okay. Not responsible.
0: If you're just tuning in, we're touring the Martin County Convent with John Kennedy. How how thick are these adobe walls?
1: The ones downstairs are four feet. The ones upstairs are about three feet. And so when you build a two-story adobe structure, you create the walls on the first floor really wide. The second floor, you reset them in because you have to set up what is called a sleeper, Area to put the floor joists for the second floor. Many of your other Adobe uh, churches, they're they're not second story. They're real tall walls, but they're not. They don't have an actual second story on it because that takes a whole another level of construction to do that. Most of them are you know wide at the bottom and taper to the top, but this one doesn't.
0: And this was built from mud, dirt, and mud right here and on
1: this. Yeah, Yeah, when they dug the basement out, we suspect that they put in all the dirt, but they've had to have have gone someplace else to get more. And I don't know exactly where it was, but somewhere in the neighborhood back in the 30s, they said there was a a large hole, and they believed that that was where much of the dirt came from, that they built this structure. Uh, One of the Adobe people I talked with said that there must be 2 million bricks in this building.
0: All made by hand?
1: All made by hand and they were very big. Um, The upstairs upstairs was where the Carmelites priests each had their own room, and the Sisters of Mercy uh, took out some of the walls that the Carmelites put up to create a little bit larger spaces for themselves. But with that being said, you can still see evidence of the original walls that the Carmelites built if you look around the floor and up the wall, and you can see where each one of these windows was a Carmelite cell, right? And from what I understand from uh, Father J.B. Weber, Weber, who has helped us extensively kind of deconstruct and, and put this back together as, as the historian for the Carmelite order, he said that these cells are very large compared to what he has seen elsewhere. That These guys actually had very comfortable quarters, and they were very sad to leave. They didn't want to leave here, but they had to. And so these, these holes that you see through this load-bearing wall on the second floor here, these are original doorways to the cells. The sisters turned this into a closet. Uh, this later on was turned into a bathroom back on this side, but all of these openings are still original. I suspect that this railroad material here, this beaded material, was not here. That when the Carmelites built it, you can see that, that here there was you know some of this wainscoting that went all the way around, but that this was all whitewashed. And so this whole building here was whitewashed. None of this was here. None of that was there. None of that crown molding was there. So it they put they put the Somebody adobe the sisters. brick.
0: Hmm? They put the adobe brick and then they whitewashed they just it. They
1: whitewashed it. Yes, they were simple men. They didn't paint it. It was just a whitewash structure. That's what we suspect they did. That's that's what they would have done. In this room here, we had a difficult time trying to figure out what was going on in this room because it, was, it had a, a, a riser here underneath the window, and it didn't have any place that looked like there was a wall. It was just an open space. And so our Carmelite priest said that he had called the, uh, the Carmelites in, in Germany and said, hey, what is that room at the very end of the hall that you have all those flowers in and plants? They said, oh, that was a, uh, that was a chapel. And so we, so it was like, well, okay. This was a, in this spot, this particular space, was the chapel for the priest, for their own little chapel. This last room that you see here, um, this has also seen some extensive uh, work done to it by the Carmelites, and not so much by the sisters, but by the Carmelites. And they captured this space because this would have been the the classroom, where the the novice master would have taught the postulates because they could not speak nor be spoken to except by the novice master. And he would have had classes up here, and I want to say he probably was uh, responsible for some of the farmland and the farming that was going on here. And so he had a nice view out towards the north side of the Carmelites' property to check on their cattle and their wheat.
0: If you're just tuning in, we're touring the martin county convent with john kennedy
1: is this crazy or what
0: pretty nice attic
1: the attic is quite large Um, we know we know that the carmelites actually had poshists living up here if you can imagine before they put in the east building people lived in this structure upstairs in here i don't know what it was like during the winter or summertime but i suspect it was it was probably pretty miserable
0: so. And I guess that's where the uh, yeah, fireplace was, comes out?
1: Yeah, there were several chimneys. There were several fireplaces. This one goes down into the first room, the chapter room. The, obviously, the kitchen had a chimney, but it's been taken out, and so it would have been on this side. And so even though you had just a chimney on either end of the building, that would be pretty much it. It would not have taken much wood to heat this building, keep it nice and toasty.
0: So you guys have been trying to restore it for how many years now?
1: Over 20 years, taking a long time it takes a lot of money to redo these buildings. It's just it's taken a long it's just taken a long time for us to find the the funds necessary. We've just managed to keep it together, but things have been so much our future has been so much brighter. Within the last 10 years, uh, we've had enough money to spend a half a million dollars, thanks to the city of Stanton, the county, and other donors to help us fund the exterior restoration so now we have to work on the interior Um, that that that's going to probably take another half a million dollars
0: and that's why you have the soup cook-off every year
1: yes the soup cook-off is our annual fundraiser. It's just a way for us to to generate some some funds to be able to operate uh, our property and it's it's been going on i think this is the twenty eighth year for the soup cook-off it brings together cooks and soreheads from the area, and everyone gets to enjoy some soups and good times, and just for a couple hours, and it's it's lots of fun. You should come.
0: And you really use it also to educate people about what you're doing, and
1: yes, of course, yes, of course. It's a way to to communicate with the the people and the Stanton community about what's going on here, because this belongs to them. It belongs to everyone here, and. and it's truly an asset for the community to have such a historic piece of property with large acreage, with some acreage around it. It really is a blessing.
0: And when's the next
1: one? This weekend, February Saturday, February 18th from 5 to 7 at the Martin County Community Center in Stanton is the next soup cook-off. Come early, stay late. The Martin County also has a clay shoot, and we'll be having our third annual clay shoot at Windwalker Farms, March 18th. So anyone who likes to go out and shoot clay pigeons, please come. The shoot starts at 1 p.m., registration is at 11. So we encourage anyone that would like to come out to Windwalker Farms, north of Stanton, to come and shoot as a benefit for the historic Carmelite Monastery.
0: Well, thank you for giving us a tour, Mr. Kennedy. Appreciate it very much.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to West Texas Talk on your public radio station. I'm Lana Straub. Have a good night.